Good evening. What a powerful service we had this morning with Pastor Terry Wong. He's here again to minister to you the word of the Lord. Would you please put your best hand clap together for Pastor Terry Wong? All right. Wow, the wonders of technology. It's like Pastor Daniel was here this morning. <laughs> well, he texted and said that he actually watched the first service. So praise God. And, and here's the thing. is um, Pastor Larry Stockstill is preaching in Maui. And they text the photo of him to me during lunchtime. And I'm going, that is so awesome because here I'm here and he's there. And uh, just amazing, right? You know, when we do missions, we do missions all over the world. And um, I, I just want to remind everybody, okay, we've got, I think I counted 17 copies left. Okay, so tonight's a night. I really don't want to take them back to Hawaii with me. Okay, so the first 17 that go to the back after service, I will sign them. They'll be worth a million dollars, and that's it. Okay, $15. And um, some of you guys were asking, Pastor Larry, he writes this. Terry Wong has as strong a vision for missions as any pastor I have met worldwide. His insight into helping other churches enter the world vision will transform your life. Missions is God's mission. And you are about to be a part of it. Heidi Baker. Heidi Baker. Terry Wong understands that our lives are worth nothing to us if we do not finish the task Jesus has given us of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Mission's power will open your eyes to what you can do toward that end if you're willing to pay any price. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi. And Dr. Peter Wagner, who was one of my, my main professors at Fuller Seminary when I attended that, it says here, God's missionary mandate for taking the gospel to all nations is set in concrete, but the methods are not. They change from season to season. Terry Wong's book, Missions Power, provides us with a cutting-edge overview of missions for this season. And, and the foreword was written by my good friend, John Bevere. We golfed together. He spoke for me. And, and this guy, you may think that he's all into bait of Satan and extraordinary, relentless, and all that stuff. But you know all his proceeds go to missions. A lot of people don't know that. He is totally passionate about missions. And in fact, he spoke in my, I think, my ninth missions conference. And he just rocked the house. People didn't even know that he was so passionate about missions. And so when I found that out, I asked him, would you uh, want to read my book? And he read it. And he says, man, this is one of the best books I've ever written on, read on missions. So that he wrote the foreword. And so praise God. So if you want it, okay. Um, both this morning sermon as well as tonight, pieces of it are in this book. So if you want to get more, got a ton more stories in there. There's also some good theology. In fact, there's some stuff, okay? There's some stuff from the Greek. See, I'm, a, I, I, I'm working on my doctorate degree um, as well, too. I started at, at, at Fuller Seminary on, for half my degree, and then the other half I, tra I, I moved over to AGTS, Assemblies God Theological Seminary in Springfield, uh, just to get a balanced Holy Spirit perspective and all that. And I... I've been uh, mentored by some of the, the, the top scholars in the world. And there's some stuff that they haven't, they taught me, but they haven't published. So then, you know, I'm one of these, you know, I'm a businessman, right? And, and, and so I said, hey, do you mind if I put in my book? And, and they said, well, what do we get out of it? Well, I'll, I'll write a paper good enough to be an A, you know. And they said, okay, right? But anyway, there's stuff in here that's never been published before. And uh, in fact, one of them I'm going to share with you tonight, okay? So, so anyways... $15, it all goes to missions, just to let you know, all right? Um, also, I want to kind of do a follow-up on what I preached this morning. The story about um, the, the healing, the leg lengthening and all that, remember that? Um, 
that bad doctor that didn't know where he went? Okay, well, I had the privilege last year to preach at, at Grace Bible Church in Honolulu. That's one of the fastest-growing churches in Hawaii. They are up to 3,000 people right now, and they were just in the hundreds not too long ago. Well, um, they have seven services on Sunday. In, my, in the third service that I preached in, okay, and I, I was preaching in the you know, uh, first service, second In the third service, as I was preaching, after I finished preaching, okay, before I even got, got off the platform, this, this, this older gentleman came up, and he introduced himself to me. He said, I'm the... No, no, he, he asked, uh, what is the name of the doctor? And I went, um, I don't know. You know, like, he bothered me so much, I didn't even catch his name, you know? I mean, you know, because it was so rude, remember the whole story, right? And then he says, well, I need to know. I said, why is that? He said, I'm the executive vice president, the chief operating officer of Queen's Medical Center. All the doctors on staff report up to me. And that kind of a doctor, I'm going to fire. He should not be on staff. And so as I continued talking with him, right, and then I said, were you there that night? He says, oh, that news is it's all over the hospital. I wasn't there that night. I wasn't working at night. But the, heat, the, the lake growing out is in, the, it has been documented. Hallelujah. Is God good or what? Amen. And then the other story is about the, um, my church planter in India. Okay, a lot of you have been asking what happened to that woman who, whose C-section scar got ripped open, okay? Well, she wasn't there at the retreat for obvious reasons, okay? Because that was just a month before. She was at home. She was healing up. And, and I just want to let you know that she is alive. She's all healed now. In fact, their church has gone from 80 to 150 people because they dare to keep on sacrificing for the Lord. You see? So although the devil may come and trip you up and, and throw all sorts of stuff at you, if you're relentless, if you don't quit and you keep on moving, pressing on, the Lord will, will give you victory in your life. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's just to kind of wrap up this morning. Is that good? Okay. I was kind of, you know, uh, uh, um, watching for, uh, on the time and everything, but I understand that I can take it till about, what, midnight tonight, right? No problem, you know. <laughs> hey, Paul the Apostle preached all night long. And this poor guy named Eutychus fell off the balcony because of it, right? But then, was that a problem? Nope. He just laid down, you know, really, you know, uh, touched him, and he got raised from the dead and everything. And remember, I hang out with Heidi Baker. She's preached for me three times now, and she has documented 300 people raised from the dead. Oh, she's just incredible. So, so you know, if any of you drop dead because of too much preaching, then may Heidi Baker's anointing be upon me so I can lay hands on you. Be, you know, it would be good. Okay. Hallelujah. Good to have the children in the house too. Amen. You know, my children were, were um, in church ever since they were born. And we used to have, and we still do, we would have these prayer meetings with a lot of speaking tongues and all that. And my little kids, I mean, they were little, little kids and all that, crawling around. They're hearing all the tongues speaking. And never once as they were growing up asked, what's that weird stuff? Because to them, it's totally natural. Because it should be. The supernatural should become so natural in the church because you're operating in it at all times. Amen? And we do healing stuff. We, have, we just had a healing service um, last month. And... Um, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The legs that were growing out. We had a blind eye that was healed. You know, I mean, God does that kind of stuff when your faith is there. Amen? All right. Let, let's, let's get into the message here. Luke chapter 10, 
verses 25 to 37. Yeah, children, they need to be exposed to all of that. So that when they grow up, it's not weird to them at all. And all my, you know, my two older kids, they're in the ministry now. They're, they, they serve God. And, and to them, every, you know, my, my oldest one is at UH now. Okay, and he took this, this religion course taught by an, by an atheist professor. He, can get, an atheist professor teaching about religion. And, and, and my son, you know, every time he comes back from that class, he's saying, man, is that guy off his rocker? I mean, he doesn't know his stuff, and, you know, because he knows the truth. My son knows the truth. He was brought up that way, so hallelujah. All right, let's get into this. Luke chapter 10, starting from verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to, his inn, to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I've entitled my message tonight, Love the Backbone of Missions. Love the backbone of missions. Heavenly Father, as I lay hands upon your words, I ask the Lord once again, as you have anointed your words twice this morning, O God, do so again because your, your word, O God, is alive, Lord. It, 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 it cuts into the asunder of, uh, of soul and spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that it would not be me, O God, but it would be the Holy Spirit that would take your Logos word and turn it into Rhema word for each and every heart so that, Lord, we'd be fed, we'd be inspired, but we would be challenged as well, O God. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 First of all, I just want to say, I forgot, who, what's the name of the worship leader, the guy who's going to keep keyboard here? So, Micah. Where's Micah? Where, where's, where's the prophet? Where, where'd he go? Okay, okay. Well, I, right there, Micah? Micah, I want, there's an anointing on you. You didn't know what my message was all about, and I noticed the, the songs that had a reference to love in it. He didn't know, he didn't know my message. And especially, you know, the only place, I, the only, no, no other place I'd rather be but be in your love, okay? I, I want you to remember that, okay? And, and maybe be, be led by spirit if, you want, if you're led at the end to, to sing that song again, okay? There is a reason why the contents of 1 Corinthians 13 are sandwiched between the contents of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Because, you know, 13 is commonly known as the love chapter, Right? Love is kind, love is patient, and all, all, the, all the love stuff. Okay? But why is it sandwiched in between chapters 12 and 14? Because 12 talks about spiritual gifts, 14 talks about spiritual gifts. And it almost seems like what? 
did, did, did Paul kind of mishear and, 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 and you know, as he, as he was writing and being inspired by the Holy Spirit and that chapter 13 should be somewhere else, okay? There's a reason for it, okay? Let me just read the first part of chapter 13. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If, if I have to give the prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So what he was trying to do was put a perspective on the moving of the, whole, of the spiritual gifts here. Okay? You can have all these special gifts, these spiritual gifts, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. In verse 13 of chapter 13, Paul describes three powerful virtues, faith, love, and hope. Then he says, but the greatest of these is love. So it is very important. If, if love is supposed to be the foundation for spiritual gifts, it also should be the foundation for missions. Because in the same, earlier it says, if I give all I possess to the poor. See, that's the giving part of missions. And if I surrender my body to the flames. Again, in the missions context, there's the giving, there's the going. Okay? If you do that, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So it's important that love be the foundation for missions. Let me, let me illustrate this to you. Okay? Do we have any golfers here? People who play golf? Nobody? Really? Okay. We, we have a couple of people here. Okay? Okay. 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 A couple, okay it's Florida. That's of course, right? And, and, and where'd you learn to play golf? Hawaii. Well, no wonder. Hawaii, Florida. And then the rest of you, you know, is, is hunting and fishing, right? <laughs> oh, you're excited. Well, sorry. This illustration has nothing to do with that, okay? Well, I love to golf, okay? And um, in fact, when I preached for Gary, Pastor Gary Brothers in Missouri, he, he set me up to play three times. I mean, I was like in heaven, okay? Like, like I just, well, to get good at go golf is a very difficult game, okay? Isn't that right, guys? Because you've got this little blade at the end of a club, and then you have to hit this little ball, okay? That's really hard. And to do it just right on, to hit it so it's straight and long and far, it's really hard, okay? You've got to practice a lot, okay? And, and so what a lot of golfers do is they go to the driving range, okay? Now, understand here with Wasilla, there's a lot of driving range, Okay, so if I ever come back here in the summer, I'm not going hunting, I'm not going fishing, I'm going to a driving range, okay? Well, I did that one day, right? And, and so, one day, I do that all the time, okay, not one day, okay? So I, I okay, it's not like that, okay, so let's stand over here. So, so it's on level ground, you put the ball down, and you take the club and you hit it, okay? And I was hitting the ball, I was thinking, you know, I just read that Tiger Woods can take a nine iron and hit 165 yards. Now, Help you understand, okay, there's 14 clubs in your bag. The shorter ones go shorter distances. The longer ones go farther, okay? You understand? Because it's centripetal force, those into physics, okay? The longer the club, the bigger the arc. And so when you come around, the, the club speed is really fast, and you hit the ball, and it goes farther, okay? And, of course, you're trying to get the ball onto the green where the hole is. And so depending how far away you are, you want to either use a long club or a short club and all that stuff, okay? And so... Nine iron is a shorter club, okay? And I normally hit my nine iron, nine iron around 135 yards, okay? I think the average golfer hits around 120, 125 yards, okay? And so, so you know, because got the, you know, martial arts guy here, okay? So 135 yards. But I was thinking, okay, 
Tiger Woods hits 165. I'm going, that guy's not more athletic than me. I was in the Olympics. He's never been in the Olympics before, you know. So, of course, I'm thinking, I got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hit 165 yards too. You know, I'm just, that's the way I'm going to do it. So, of course, I swung back, and then I really swung at it, right? And I hit it and went 145 yards. I said, okay, I went 10 yards more than usual, but I'm still 20 yards short. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really, you know, crank it up here. So, so I swing right, and I really snap my hip in there. Because in martial arts, you want more power, you can throw the hip around for the, for the kick, right? And so I'm thinking, golf is the same way. So I throw my hip around and hit it, and it's 155 yards. I go, okay, I'm almost there, almost there, 10 more yards, okay? This is the one, this is the one. So I, 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 my back swing and my club, I really far back like this. The club is pointing that way. I mean, I'm really, you know, twisting everything. Then I hit it, and I feel this searing pain down my back, and I go, oh, that hurts, right? What is going on? And I barely hit the ball. Just trickle along. Go, oh, did that hurt? Okay, that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to try it again, right? So I put the ball back. I'm thinking, oh, no pain, no gain. Let's do it again here, right? And so I'm going like this, and I hit. Oh, man, this pain is so hard and all that. Oh, forget this. I, I, I can't hit any more balls. I mean, that is, oh, that hurts so much, right? And so I still had like about 20 golf balls, right? I'm going, what a waste. I didn't even hit them. And so I just gathered in a bag and being a cheap Chinese, I didn't want to waste them. So I put them in my trunk and all that. Now, I want you to know, okay, before you think I was stealing, this is a golf range I go to all the time. They know me. So they know I will bring the balls back. So everything's cool. Okay, that's cool. Because this is not the first time I've done this. I do that all the time. If I don't have time to hit a ball, I take the balls with me, put in the trunk. But when I come back, I bring them back and place them. Okay, they all know me. You know, I'm a pastor. I can't, you know, lie and steal and all that stuff. Okay? But I went home. And I walk home and my, my wife says, so soon? What happened? You normally, like, you're there for at least another half hour or 45 minutes or whatever. I said, oh, man, I hit the ball. I tried to be like Tiger Woods, and, 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 and something hurts there. Now, like, with all good wives, she says, go see the doctor. I said, come on. I'm a black belt. I don't go see the doctor. Just a little pain. No big deal, right? She says, suit yourself, right? And so I sit down in the sofa, and I'm, I sit down. I can't get comfortable at all and all that. And she's going, you got to go see the doctor. I said, I'll find some comfortable position eventually, right? You know that? And I couldn't find a comfortable position. I said, okay, okay, I'll go to see the doctor, right? Now, my doctor, she happens, she happens to be a black belt herself too. And she's a scratch golfer, meaning that she shoots 72 most of the time, okay? I, I, you know, I shoot like 81, 82, okay? But she shoots like 72. She's really good, right? So, so I went to see her, and, and I, I told her what happened. She said, why are you trying to be Tiger Woods? You're not Tiger Woods. What, Tiger, Tiger Wong? Like, what are you? Like, like what was that, right? <laughs> I said, but I'm still TW, TW. Anyways. <clears throat> Do you know that he's got a cap that says TW, right, for Tiger Woods? Okay, I've got like three of them. I didn't buy them. People just gave it to me and said, you know, you can be Terry Woods, you can be Tiger Wong, or if you really want to be humble, you're just Terry Wong, right? You know, so anyways, so, so the doctor said, okay, you know what? We got to x-rays. X-rays? What for? Come on, is this, is this a sprain or something? No, no, we got to x-rays, okay? She took x-rays, and then she, she, she put the, the, the photo right on the screen. She says, I can't believe it. Whoa, I read about it. I never thought I would see this. What? What's going on? 
And she says, wow, I study in medical school. I've never had a patient in my life have this. What? Is it bad? It's, it's just, oh, I've never seen that. Come on, come on, give me, break it. Good news and bad news. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. You told me that you used to practice like 2,000 kicks a day, right? I said, yep, to get ready for the Olympics. And then you say you did 700 sit-ups a day. Yep, yep 700 sit-ups a day. And you did like, you, you ran like 5, 10 miles a day, right? And how long did you do that again? I did it for two solid years, every day. Sick or, sick or well or rain or shine, no snow in Hawaii. I, no, not, not Hawaii. I was living in Calgary in those days. Sorry, Calgary. It was snow. Yeah, yeah, snow. Anyways, I said, yeah, I did that for two years. And then she says, wow, look at that. Look at the muscles that you have. What about the muscles? You got black muscles. Yeah, it's black on the photo. Yeah, x-rays are all black. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. You have, over the years of your training, you have converted your muscles into black muscles. I still don't understand. What do you mean? You mean they're black in the inside? She says, no. Like black people's muscle. <laughs> Pastor Vin, stand up. Pastor Vin, stand up. Black people's muscle. Black people. African-American muscle. Look at this specimen. Look at Oh, you know, babe, huh? You know it. <laughs> and I'm going... Okay, I, I'm really lost here. What are, you, what are you saying? If you notice, the best athletes in the world are black. The best boxer in history, black, Muhammad Ali, right? The best runner, right? The guy from Jamaica, black, right? You know, the best golfer, black, half black, right? <laughs> but black. The best basketball player, Michael Jordan, black. You have, after all your intense training, you have converted your muscles, your Chinese muscles, into black muscle. I said, you said this is good news, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you're super powerful. Wow, that's great. Want to hear the bad news now? What's the, back, what's the bad news? Your bones are still yellow bones. What? You've converted your muscles to be so powerful, yet your bones are still Chinese muscles, uh, Chinese bones. So what happened when you did that swing, your black muscles tore, cracked. The second, the second spine here, whatever you call it, the plate, the second plate, and it cracked it wide open. A black person wouldn't do that. Because a black person, like this specimen here, okay? Look at this one. Take off the jacket. Take it off. Come on. Come on. Come on. Take it. Look at that. Give me a hand. Come on. Come on. Look at this. Come on. Don't be shy. Look at the shoulder and everything. Okay. All this black muscle is supported by strong black bones. Okay? Black skeleton. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. 
see, Pastor Vince, see, Pastor Vince, that's what happens when you drive me around. I feel comfortable enough to pick you out. So if he did it, the black bones would support his black muscles. But the problem is, I've got yellow bones. So I said, what do I do about this? Well, first of all, you can't, you can't swing the club for, it for eight weeks. You gotta allow your bones to heal. There's nothing we can do. You're kidding. Well, I can give you some painkillers and all, that's it. But after you heal, do not try to be Tiger Woods. Because at least he's got, he's half black. You got zero black in you. In terms of bones, in terms of bone. I am half because of my muscles, right? You know? So, so just live with 135 yards, nine iron, okay? And I have not hit farther than 135 yards since then, okay? Because I have yellow bones. You know, I start thinking spiritually here, as all pastors do. We can do missions and build up these muscles into black muscles, black missions muscles. But if we don't have love, these muscles will crack open your infrastructure. You think about it. You go through the motion. You can give and give and give. And after a while, in fact, our church, because we have been giving to missions big ways, it's so easy for my people to write out big numbers, and they will fulfill them every year, every month, every year, and not even think anything of it. Because they've been so conditioned to it. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? But see, without the foundation of love, strong missions mean nothing. An overemphasis of missions without love will break a church and will break a Christian. You can give a lot to missions, but if you have no love, it'll break your bank. And I mean more than just your financial bank. That's why this message is so important, especially on a mission Sunday, that we don't do this. Just, I mean, some of my stories this morning, I know that it moves some of you. You, go, you want to give more and all that, and praise God for that. But let me tell you, it has to be motivated by love. If not, all this peer pressure, oh, we got to match Calvary Assembly and all that. No, 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 that's not what it is. It's because you're being moved by love. That's what I want to say. So let's take a look at this story because I think Jesus illustrates a number of things. First point is love is a predominating commandment. Love is a predominating commandment. If you already gathered from my sermon this morning, I love alliterations. There are three S's this morning, okay? Right now I have three PCs, okay? Predominating commandment, okay? Love is a predominating commandment. We have to love. We need to be obsessed with love. This lawyer that came to Jesus... He asked, how do I go to heaven? Okay? He's, where's the key to going to heaven? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. It's like, you got to be so, so, so obsessed with this thing. There is no choice here. And the thing is, how much do we really love God? That's the first thing. But then he doesn't finish here. Because he says, and, not or. And, and it's not period and optionally, love your neighbor as yourself. Is and you gotta do both. You gotta love upward, you gotta love outward. And if you fail at doing that, you're in danger of not inheriting eternal life. That's what he was saying. These are his words, not mine. I'm not I'm not setting the criteria to go into heaven. Jesus is right here because he's answering a direct question. Love is the foundation of all the commandments. Jesus was essentially saying. Now, 
I want to help you see something. Keep your fingers in, in Luke because that's our, our main text uh, um, tonight. But I want us to take a look at a commonly misunderstood passage, John chapter 21. John chapter 21, starting from verse 15. This is after the resurrection, and, and um, Jesus is ministering to Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So here we see the story, very common story, popular story, quoted by many pastors and preached by many pastors. And Jesus is asking Peter three times, do you love me? And um, many have used this passage as a basis for supporting inner healing. Because in your inner healing, when you are praying about people's hurts and, and their past and, and, and everything, you know, uh, um, that they went through, all the words that were spoken against them and all that, the, the basis of inner healing is that you go back to the past, you, you go back with Jesus, he visits the past with you, he'll heal you of that, and you come back to the present. Now, with Peter, because he, he denied Jesus three times, okay, again, this is how the, the preaching normally goes, okay, then G Peter went back three times to reverse the effects of the denial. That way, Peter can be free to feed his sheep, okay? That's how the preaching goes. I want you to know something. That is not what that passage is talking about, okay? My Greek professor is one of the top three Greek scholars in the world. Okay, he has been teaching Greek for over 40 years. He himself is a pastor as well. And so that, that's significant because a lot of times you get these scholars out there and they only think one way. But when you're a pastor, you know how it applies, how it affects people's lives and all that. And you can really have more of a balanced approach. Okay. Now, while I agree with that, because we do inner healing, we have encounters regularly in our church. Okay. And yes, we also deal with, with inner hurts and, and all that. And yes, we apply inner healing. In fact, my wife, she is very anointed in that. Okay, more anointed than me. She's got the prophetic gift moving, and then she, she, can, she can bring somebody. For, and by the way, she's also a licensed counselor. She's the only spirit-filled Assemblies of God counselor in Hawaii. Okay? And she's one of, I think, three spirit-filled spirit counselors in Hawaii. Okay? She's the only spirit-filled credential minister with the Assemblies of God counselor in Hawaii. I mean, she's just, I married a good one, okay? I want you to know that, okay? That's why I wear the ring. I, any women that's been checking me out, too bad. I'm already, you know, I'm sorry. I know I got black muscles, but go, go find some other black muscles, okay? And not his, because she got him. No, no, off limits, right? Amen. Now, like I said, I am I'm all for going back Healing, bring Jesus back, healing you back and forth. Okay, I'm all, but this is not the text to support that practice. Because you got to look at the Greek. In the Greek, if you look at the Greek Bible, it already gives you hints that that's, that can't support this whole three denials thing. And the reason why is, let me tell you, let, let me kind of speak kind of Greekish to you. Okay? But also more English and 
little Chinese. No, I'm just kidding. No Chinese. <laughs> Jesus started with Peter. Peter, do you agape love me? I mean, we're talking God's love, not human love. Whew. You've been teaching about that kind of love. Agape love. I, I, no, I, I don't have that. Um, Jesus, I phileo love you. Okay, agape love is God's love. Phileo love is friendship love. It's a natural human love. Oh, 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 oh wait a minute, wait a minute. Let, let's try it again, okay? Maybe you, 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 you didn't answer right here, okay, Peter? Let me ask you again. Peter, do you agape love me? The love that is like this high. I mean, it's like heavenly love. It's kind and patient and, and does not be, uh, uh, keep records of wrongs and is everlasting and bears all things. And, you know, I mean, we're talking about that. You, you understand my question? Yeah, and I don't have that. You know, like, mine's like way down here. So, Jesus, I phileo love you. That's the best I got. All right, let's just say it like it is. Peter, I just want to make sure. Do you phileo love me? Oh, that hurt. It's one thing for me to say it, but for somebody else to say it. Huh? It's one thing when you confess your sin, but when somebody points it out, oh, that hurts. Oh, that hurt. Oh, I'm disappointed. Oh, I'm so sad by this. Yes, that's all I got, Jesus. All I got for you is phileo love. That's the dialogue. There's no reference to three denials and all that. You see? Although I believe Jesus did heal him of that, but not from this instance. Here's what was going on, church. Jesus was basically saying, can you love with God's love, which is the highest form of love? And Peter was totally honest because this is, a res this is the risen Lord now. You can't lie to this guy now. He's already proven that he's God. And he was totally honest. He said, I don't have that high of a love level. My best is down here. So then you know what Jesus was doing by saying, do you phileo love me? He said, okay, if that's the best you got, I'll come down to your level and love with you. This is called Emmanuel love. This is saying that, oh, you can't love like me? That's okay. I'm not going to wait for you to come up to my level. I'll come down to your level. How's that apply, church? He's not going to wait for the church to love with this 1 Corinthians 13 type of love before he would dare come down to earth to die for the, earth, the church. He'll come down and be like us. He'll, he'll, he'll assume this bodily form. He'll go through the temptations we've gone through. He'll go through life like us. And even worse, because he was born in a manger. How many of you were born in a manger? Most of you had the luxury to be born in a hospital. And then, to, and then even, it says that foxes have holes and, and birds have nests, but the Son of God has no place to place his head. He didn't even have a proper bed. And then his death. How unfair that is. When there was a murderer that could be released, a criminal that could be released, and a murderer gets released instead of him, and he never even sinned. How fair is that? He really stooped down in love. But you know what he was trying to say? Is that I'll come down to your level, and I'll work with you. Now, did that work? Absolutely. 
Because after that, oh, let me tell you, something happened to Peter. Because you can see in Acts chapter 2, which happened shortly after that ministry. Because Jesus ascended up to heaven, sat on the right-hand side of God, sometimes standing up. Hallelujah. And I believe he stood up this morning for some of you. Hopefully most of you, if not all of you. But then, Peter, Acts chapter 2, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit down. And anointing came upon him. 3,000 people were saying, oh, look at those disciples, 120. They're all drunk and all that stuff. And he spoke up. The guy who denied Jesus, the guy who took off, he spoke one of the greatest sermons ever. And 3,000 people got saved that day. The anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him. But was he perfect yet? No. Because a few chapters later, you find that he's on the rooftop. huh? And on the rooftop, the cloud comes down. And here's all these, these spare ribs in front of him. Barbecue spare ribs, or in Hawaii, manapuas. Oh, those are buns with barbecue pork inside. They're good. And God was saying, eat, eat that. Oh, no, I never eat pork because I'm a Jew. I, I, that, that is this unholy, unclean. And God says, no, everything I make is clean. It's a devil that messes it up. But see, that represents the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And just like you've been so prejudiced, it's time for you to be unprejudiced. And you start loving the, the, the Gentiles as well. That's what that was. But see, even then he was prejudiced. Even though he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can be spirit-filled and still be prejudiced. Peter was. But then God corrected it. But then he grew from that. And he kept on growing. And then you see that he started accepting the Gentiles. And then he grew, grew the church. And then on that fateful day, when the persecutors said... We're going to martyr you now. We're going to crucify you just like your Lord because you were like one of the head guys. And on that day, he said, no, it's beneath me to be crucified like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. I believe on that day, had Jesus had the same conversation as he did in John 21 and asked, Peter, do you agape love me? He would have said, I agape love you. And why? Because Jesus, with Emmanuel love, came down to a level and worked with him and built him up until that day that he died. Hallelujah. Peter entered heaven with agape love. Hallelujah. So what about these pastors? You know, they keep smoking. They ain't coming to my church. They're going to keep on drinking the alcohol. Whew. Don't want to smell up this beautiful sanctuary until they come up to our level, see? Because God's got high standards, and we got to be holy here. We can't allow any unholiness in our church. No, no, no. Let me tell you, that is not the heart of Jesus. Jesus could care less about how beautiful the sanctuary is. God is more concerned about the love that's emanating from your heart. All he cares about is the Holy Spirit that will love on these people and see that they are lost sheep. I mean, you ain't so good. You ain't so good. What if we, on the PowerPoint, we put your, all your sins that you've ever had done, committed, on the screen? Oh, lusting after sister so-and-so. Oh, internet porn. Oh, look at the lie there. Lie there. Lie to the pastor. Pastor wife. Oh, look at that. And the cheating on the income tax. Look at that. And getting angry. Putting your fist through a wall like Pastor Terry once did and repented since. Oh, yeah, let me tell you, we're all sinners. Thank God he came down from heaven and came, and Emmanuel loved you back again. Hallelujah. That's what he's telling the church to do. 
That's what he was teaching Peter. You, you go down to somebody else's level, not to have this holier-than-thou attitude. That doesn't work anymore. I don't even know if it ever worked properly anyways. You scare somebody to hell and all that. Let me tell you, love is the greatest of these. We got to love on these people. You know, one of my professors at Fuller Seminary said this to me. Where did, where did I put it here? Oh, yeah, here it is. If you're really serious about saving the lost, then you must be willing to sit in the smoking section. <laughs> Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Let me tell you, our, our church, we reach out to the homeless. We have a program called Food for Family. We, 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 we take groceries out to over three, 400 families every month. Every Tuesday night, we have homeless people coming to our church to feed them. And boy, some of my traditional people at first went, you can let those stinky people use our bathrooms. I'm the one that cleaned the toilet. I said, well, then get ready to clean it some more. Because how else are we going to reach out to them? They don't know any better. A lot of them don't know any better. You did not know any better when you were a sinner. But he knew better. He came down and loved on you anyways. Hallelujah. That's what he's calling the church to do. Now, you, you, you look at the scene in this parable that Jesus gave. Okay? Here is a Jew who just got beaten up. So the first person that comes along is a priest. Now, the priest, you want to contemporize it, it's like a pastor. Okay? The pastor walks along and, ooh, I can be inconvenienced with this. I got a schedule. I got like, like meetings and all that. And I'll just pretend that, that I didn't see this person because nobody else will notice any other way. And I'll just kind of walk by the wayside, just, just by the side. And walk. You, you know the problem is, well, when you got some spiritual guy who's doing that kind of stuff, you think that no one sees what you're doing, but everybody sees it. Right? You got this blind side. Great movie, by the way. You got this blind side. And nobody else sees, and you, you don't see it, but people, you don't think people see it, but people see it. You better be careful what you do in public. You just finished preaching, reach out to the homeless, and here's one right in front of you. And then the next person, Levite, that represents the worshiper. I think that's everybody here. When I looked around earlier, everybody was worshiping and all that. Well, you know what? This kind of worship should translate to this. It's not because this is love the Lord of God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. But now, love your neighbor as yourself. Give a hand when there's somebody in front of you. But no, what did Levite do? Also, oh, I, I'm too, you know, I got to go home. I got to prepare for the potluck and all that stuff. And, and, and that's more important. Then, then, of course, you know who came along. The Samaritan. Jews don't like Samaritans. Samaritans are okay. But Jews don't like Samaritans. The Samaritan knows that. And yet, here's a Jew and the Samaritan is willing to do something, which brings to my second point. Love has a pricey cost. Love has a pricey cost. If we truly love each other enough to build each other up, then it's going to cost something. Doing missions. You know, I've been on many missions trips, and I usually fly United Airlines because I started early on, and I flew, and then I became a Million Mile Club member, and then I became a Two Million Mile Club member, and, and it's too... You know, I don't want to go to another airline now because I have to start from zero. I don't get upgraded, all that stuff. You know, now if there's an unpaid first class, I get upgraded and all that, and the church doesn't pay for it. I mean, it's, it's wonderful, okay? But <clears throat> every time I, 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 I call up United, and I have this special 1K desk number that I call because I'm a 1K member, which means I flew 100,000 miles the year before. 
okay? And I'm also a 2 million mile member. So they, they see, when they see, in fact, it's so good. When I call, they already say, hello, Mr. Wong, because they see my cell phone number already. They already, I mean, great te technology, okay? And on some occasions, I've, I said this to them. I'm going to Brazil again on a missions trip. So may I get a break on the price? Not once did they say it's free. Not once did they even say, oh, there's a 20% discount on missions trips this month. Not once did they say that. It costs money to do missions. For every church plant that we've we done. I mean, Brazil cost me 100000 last year. And this year, when we're doing our budget for 2016, I told my missions pastor there, I said, I got to cut that because you guys got to start tying down there. And so we cut down to 80000 And next year, I'm behind 60000 We're just going to, because they should be tithing and all that and then support themselves. In fact, after a while, I'm going to ask them to tithe to our church. It's payback time, I'm telling you, okay? But the thing here, it costs money. Okay, we're going to reach the loss. Internationally, even domestically, it costs money. And here, here we got... This, this Samaritan, he says, he puts the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took out two denera, his own money, to somebody who hates him, to the innkeeper. And then, look, he said, look, after this, okay, he, he does this thing. He takes out his, where, where, where is mine? He takes out his credit card. I just got this. Bank of Hawaii credit card. Look how fancy it looks, Okay. Because they want us to use it more, okay? Fancy, okay? He, he, the Samaritan puts down the credit card with, not really, okay? Just, I'm contemporizing it, okay? Says that I will pay for any extra expense over somebody who does not like him. There is no guarantee this guy will even not take, granted, take advantage of this card. He might even spend more. You know, instead of the, the, the roast beef sandwich for lunch, I think I might order the, the uh, filet mignon. He could. Hey, somebody's paying for you. He could. But yet, he's willing to sacrifice. There's a word that we remember from this morning. He's willing to do that. Let me tell you a story. A few years ago, I was in India for the first time. I was in Mumbai. And the local pastor was driving me around in Mumbai. And Mumbai is one of the largest cities in the world. Just like Sao Paulo in Brazil. And we... we we, we planted a church there before, too. But, so I'm, I'm, I'm this is before we, we did any church plants in India. I was trying to scope out the land and all that. And, and we're driving in downtown Mumbai. We stopped at the intersection. And I looked over, and there are all these girls on the sidewalk. And I said, hey, pastor, who are they? And he looked over. Oh, they're just teenage prostitutes. What do you Oh! They're just teenage prostitutes. You should be moved that there are teenage prostitutes there. Like, like, teenagers. I said, like, how old are they? Just 12, 13 years old. You're kidding. And how about that, that one must look, look at that one. Oh, that's probably nine years old. Nine years old? This is seven years ago. My daughter was nine years, ago, nine years old at that time. I was going, that could be my daughter. Is life so bad that they will run away from home? And he goes, no, Pastor Terry, they didn't run away from home. Most of them were sold by their parents. What? They were sold by their parents? Yeah, 
some enough for as low as $230. So what are you going to do about it? Oh, pray for them? you got to be kidding. James says, if that's all you do, pray for them? That is, that is not real faith. Because faith without works is dead. Let's do something about it. Well, honestly, Pastor Terry, it takes money to do something about it. I mean, what we could do is like, like establish a, a mercy home and house them, but I don't have the kind of money. I mean, please, you know, I, I pray for them. That's the best I can do. That's not the best you can do. You just met me. And I'm going to get the money for you. If you can't get the money, I'll get it. So then I took my phone and click, click. Oh, it's this way. Not selfie. <laughs> okay. So I get back the next Sunday at Calvary Assembly of God. I showed the pictures of these girls. And I said, church, some of them could be your daughters. And you go, what are you talking about, Pastor Terry? I don't know if you know this, Pastor Karen. On Nuanu Avenue in Honolulu, it is not safe to let girls walk there by themselves. Because you know what will happen? In Honolulu, Nuanu Street, that's one of the streets. If, you, if a girl walks by herself, a white van will pull by open the sliding door and yank her in and send the girl off to Cambodia, to France, to, to Thailand, to Mumbai, India. And the girl will never see their parents again. And I said, church, what if one of your girls got human trafficked? What if one of your girls is the girl, is, is that nine-year-old girl like my Vanessa? How much would you give to pay to get her back? And I saw mothers are just crying and the fathers are just moved too and some of the fathers are crying too. I said, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. That means, what if it was your own? What would you give? Because let me tell you, the priest, the Levite, did not love the neighbor as himself. The Samaritan did. Whatever the cost. He said, whatever is the cost, bill me. But you know, I praise God. I believe, like I said earlier, that some of you made Jesus stand up with your faith promise this morning. But I also believe some of you did not. Because some of you could not love your neighbor as yourself. Because if it was really your daughter, your son, your little baby, that got human traffic, and he's in some fork, I mean, think about this. You can really imagine what's going on here. The pa local pastor told me, those girls will sleep with up to 30 men a day. And they are ordered, they are forced to do all sorts of disgusting sexual acts with these men. And we have children here. I'm not going to get explicit. I could. And at the end of that, 30 men, they are put in some closet, some pimp's closet, and that's her bedroom, bathroom, living room, all in one. 
and she has to stay there the whole night. And I wonder, I wonder if one of those girls that could be one of your daughters is sitting there crying. Just got abused 30 times that day and the day before and the day before. And let me tell you, once she's sick, they kill her because she's no use anymore. And she's shaking in her clo- in the closet with her bathroom stuff. And oh, and I wonder, she's crying out. If there's a God out there, send someone to save me. If that was your daughter, what would you do? Because I'm telling you, if that was Vanessa, I will give whatever it takes. I will unload and, and, and I empty out my bank account. I will find the first flight so I can go there to look for my daughter. I will pray, I will give, and I will go. But some of us, when it comes to faith promise, oh, let me just, okay, okay, I'm no longer giving lunch money because Pastor Terry convicted me of that. You know, I'll, I'll give maybe two dinner money, two dinners worth of meals. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself. Because if that was your daughter, you would give a lot more. We all know the thank you song. Thank you, Lord. When we're up in heaven and somebody will come up to us and say, thank you for giving to the Lord. Because you're giving, I am now up in heaven. That's your daughter. You want to save her? How badly do you want to save her? Jesus gave his life to save all of you because we were all in that closet. We all had our own spiritual prison. And he saved us. He gave his own life. And you're not even willing to give an extra $10, an extra $100 per month, an extra $1,000, which some of you can do because you're saving up for that new boat. You're saving up for that vacation. While your daughter is locked up in that closet. You call that loving your neighbor as yourself? I'm telling you, missions has a pricey cost. Are we willing to pay it? And remember, this was in response to the lawyer asking, how do I go to heaven? And Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. I've heard so much preaching on this. Some of us are going to be pretty sad when we don't make it up to heaven because we didn't really meet the criteria. I mean, I'm not preaching another gospel here. I believe you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're, you're in. But your name can be blotted from the book of life. Because the longer you are as a Christian, the more you are responsible for. Read Matthew 25. When you give unto the least of these, he will separate the sheep from the goats. Huh? Those who don't give to those who are hungry. Those who don't give, who are thirsty, who are naked, in prison. You're part of goats. See, that's not the criteria to getting saved the first time, but that's a criteria for staying saved. See, I'm raising a bar right now. But you know what corrects it? Love. Love. And I'm not putting anybody down. Just like Jesus didn't put down Peter. He worked with Peter. But are you willing to let the Lord work with you? Are you going to allow that Emmanuel love to get a hold of you and say, okay, I understand now. Pastor, I'm loving other people too. So can I give a portion more of that sacrifice to, to, to India and anywhere else that Pastor Karen and Pastor Daniel say we're going to 
support missions on. Yeah, Jesus is working with you. But he doesn't want the heart that's stony, that is not going to allow the love of God to move upon them. Yeah, we're all working on loving God more. But let's work on loving your neighbor as yourself more as well. Are you following what I'm trying to say here? So what happened? After I preached that message, my church raised $30,000 because half my church actually wasn't there that morning. And I sent the $30,000 down to that local pastor. I said, by the way, how much is it going to be to establish the mercy home? He says, $30,000. Then God picked the right amount. And now we have that mercy home in in Mumbai, India, just outside Mumbai. And we can house up to 50 girls. We've had many girls already come through, get saved. We feed them, we house them, we teach them a new profession. Uh, we, basket weaving, sewing, whatever. We, after, six, after nine to 12 months, we send them back on the street with supervision. And now they have a more honorable profession. I think that's loving your neighbor as yourself. Give the Lord a clap offering. I get really passionate about this kind of stuff because you see, I personalize it. I, I said this this morning. I said this this morning. This card. We are so fortunate to be on this side of the faith pledge card. We could be on that side. And you could be the one crying out, why doesn't God send somebody to save me? It's not God's fault. He's, he's, he's trying to he's challenge the church. He's been doing that for, for years and years and years. The church is not moving. The church has to step up and know its purpose here on earth. We need to save those on the other side of the faith promise card. And my last part of my message. Love is proactively compassionate. Love is proactively compassionate. In the last verse here. Okay, first of all, Jesus asks, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Okay. Let me tell you again. Okay, you have to understand the Greek here. Okay. Here's how a lot of pastors, like I heard it preached many times, have interpreted this go and do likewise. Okay. They say, okay. Here it is, church. We're walking along our, our Christian life. And then all of a sudden, God places somebody in front of you. So just like Jesus said, just like the lawyer says, you got to love on that person. So do likewise. Do likewise. Because that's the story. That's a great message. But again, don't use this verse to support it. Because that verse is not saying that. This verse is actually the reverse of, what, of the Great Commission. Okay, let me teach you some Greek here. <clears throat> In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Okay? The church for many years put the emphasis on the go. Because I remember when Leon Patillo from Earth, Wind, and Fire got saved. Then he wrote that song, go. Go into the world, all that stuff. You know, I, I forget all the words. But, you know, the emphasis on Go. And so the going part was, hey, let's just go and witness and save as many people as we can. That was the emphasis. So what was happening was that a lot of people were getting saved. But then they fell away. 
In seminary, they teach what they call a retention rate. The retention rate means how many people who get saved will still be in church after one year. And the retention rate, if you look at it even today, back then it was like that, today it's still the same, it's 10%. Okay, the Assemblies of God. You know, last year I saw Randy Hearst's uh, uh, report. <clears throat> last year, half a million people got saved in the Assemblies of God nationwide. That's one part of the ACMR, okay? That's the annual church ministries report. All pastors have to, be, have to fill it out, okay? Pastor Daniel fills it out or one of the staff fills it out, okay? And reports how many people get saved in this church. And then Calvary Assembly, we fill it out too. And then it gets all added up. Springfield does all those numbers and all that. Across the nation, the United States, 50 states, half a million people got saved. Hallelujah! Okay, because of the Assembly's God. Then there's another stats. How many people have increased in your church? When you add all those numbers up, 50,000. That's 10%. 50,000 divided by 500,000, do some math here, is 10%. So even in Assemblies of God, only 10% of the people that we as the Assemblies of God, we as a fellowship have saved, only 10% are still going to church. That's not very good at all. Billy Graham, as his ministries, he quotes 3%. Three out of 100 people get saved in his crusades, stay a Christian after one year. Now, I can get into more of that, but, uh, but I'm just going to leave it at that, okay? Because the emphasis is too much on the goal. Go and win souls and all that stuff. But in the Greek, the word go is not go. The word is going. Just like there's, there's four verbs in that whole passage. There's going, teaching, and baptizing. They got I-N-G after them. Going, teaching, and baptizing. But the fourth verb is the main verb, make disciples. Meaning that to make a disciple, which is the main verb, the three other verbs are auxiliary verbs. They are used to support the main verb. So in order to make a disciple, you have to do some going, you got to do some teaching, you got to do some baptizing. See, does that make sense? That's what the Great Commission is. So now the church is going, okay, we can make disciples. That means that we got to save somebody and then make sure they go through an encounter and then they go to school leaders or journey or whatever program you're on and then make them disciples and then they can win a soul after that. We're not finished after they get saved. You follow what I'm trying to say? we got to make disciples. That is Jesus' main mandate to the church. Make disciples, not just do the go. Got it? It's not go, it's going. Going, baptizing, teaching. But it's make disciples. This passage is reverse. The main verb is not the do thou likewise or the do. In the Greek, the word is doing. The main emphasis is go. Okay, let me explain this. Jesus is not saying, as you're going with your life, then when you see somebody who has a need, then you do just like the Samaritan and show love. That's not what the Greek says. The Greek is saying, go proactively find somebody to show love to. Now, if you're getting it, praise God, but let me really emphasize this. It means you don't wait for Pastor Daniel. You don't wait for Pastor Karen. You don't wait for Pastor Vince. You don't pray, pray wait for Pastor Kristen, you, you, Kirsten. You don't wait for any of these pastors to say, go witness to your parents. Go show love to your neighbor who has a need. 
means you proactively go do it. You don't wait for somebody to have to tell you to do it. it. It's not when they happen to land in your doorstep. It's not when they happen to be right in front of you as you're walking along your Christian life. You go find somebody to show love to. And that's what we did a few years ago. I got so moved because a few blocks, two blocks away from our church, and I end with this story. Two blocks away, is that okay, Pastor? Okay, two blocks away, we got a school called Lanakila School. Lanakila in Hawaiian means victory. This was far from being a victory school. This, this school had one of the lowest GPAs in the state of Hawaii. Now, for those of you who don't know, Hawaii has the lowest GPA in the whole United States. Okay? Now, we also, we also have the two smartest schools, okay? Punahou and Iolani. Okay? Obama graduated from Punahou. Michelle Wee, the golfer, graduated from Punahou. Uh, Kelly Preston, the actress, got, graduated from Punahou. Okay? So we have a joke in Hawaii. Hawaii has the smartest and dumbest students in, in, in the nation. Because the school system, the public school system is so bad in Hawaii. Lana Keela is one of them. Let me tell you a few years ago what their stats were. The, the reading average for passing at Lana Keela School was 25%. The, 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 the math passing percentage was 9%. With percentages like that, they, they lowered all of Hawaii. Now, of course, all the Hawaii schools are bad, okay? But they were, like, bottom 15%. No wonder we got students that weren't very educated. So God moved upon my heart. And again, it was during the message. As a church, we have been doing a lot of going to the ends of the earth. Because at this time, we have planted 200 churches in China already. I said... You know, we love to go across the ocean because it's glamorous, especially for Hawaiians because most of them never get off the island. And every time there's a missions trip, oh, I got people, you know, we, we plan like five, six missions trips every year, short term. We have long term as well, which is one year or more. And, and people, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, and we do fundraisers. And yeah, as me, people, we've had two, over 200 people go on, go on short-term missions trips now. And so I said, you know, it's so glamorous to go across the ocean. But why don't we go across the street? Because we're also supposed to be a witness in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, here at home, we got to do that too. And you know what? There's a school that's two blocks away. And I would like to put some of the missions money to that, but I also need not just the giving, the going. I need some volunteers here. And I'm going to meet with the principal myself. And I did. I set an appointment, met with the principal, and I said, hey, I'm Pastor Calvary, Assembly of God. And at this time, Calvary was pretty, I mean, if we closed our doors, everybody would know about it. It's just, oh, yeah, you guys are feeding the homeless and all that stuff. Yeah, well, we'd like to do something with this school. We, do you need help? Oh, do I need help? My, some of my teachers want to leave and all that. You know, the reputation of being a teacher, Lana Kiel, was terrible and all that. Any kind of help. Okay. I, I understood. I did my research. I understand that 30 of your students are from China, mainland China. They can't speak English. Yeah. And boy, their, their, their test results are way down. I said, tell you what. I've got a Chinese congregation. They, they're bilingual. Chinese and English. How about we come and tutor them? You would do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. And then we'll also, you know, uh, uh, we'll even, I'll volunteer some of my people to even do some, some maybe uh, uh, special classes and all that, you know, on safety and health and all that. Would that be okay? Oh, I would love that. That would be great. You know, and, and we'll, we'll teach them how to study and time management and all that. I mean, even kids, they can learn how to manage their time. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I said, okay, great, great. But also, you know, I'm a church. I'm part of a church. You need to let me do prayer walks. 
What's a prayer walk? Well, we will walk around the school and pray for God's blessing. It, might a curse come on our school? No, no, no. The school's already cursed as it is, okay? You, you, need, you, you, you need some blessings. You need some blessings. And we pray blessings will come upon the, the school. Okay, I guess. Yeah, if it, does it cost me anything? No, no, that, that, that's free. But one thing I need for you to commit to, which will cost you time, what is that? You need to allow me to come to your office to pray with you regularly. How come? Because you're the head of school, I'm the head of my church, so from one head to another head, that's, that's how it works. Then, then whatever blessing is on me will be on you. And you're the head, and then your blessing will flow down to the school's teachers, students, everything. Does that really work? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you'll, you'll learn. And so I had her commit to that. So I went to her office and prayed for her regularly. We did prayer walks. My, my, my people did the tutoring and all that. Okay? Three, four years later, they won the State Blue Ribbon Award for being the most improved school in the state. And then, a year later, they won the National Blue Ribbon Award, one of the top schools that improved in the whole United States. And I just met with the teacher just a few months ago, uh, the, the, sorry, the, the, the principal, a few months ago. And she told me that the test results are phenomenal. Reading is now at 83%. Math, which is a harder subject, is at 87%. They are now, you can Google it. Lana Kila School is one of the top 15% in the, oh no, I see the number seven, I think number seven, number eight school in all of Hawaii now. And the media has come and asked, interviewed the, the principal. What do you attribute this turnaround to? And this is what she says. The God that's on Calvary Assembly is on Lana Kila School now. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! God gets the glory! I was so afraid she would say, oh, Terry Wong came in here. I don't want my name associated with it. It's not about me. It's his love, proactive love, to go visit the school, there to pray, prayer walk, pray with the principal, and proactively find. They didn't come to me. If they came to me, of course I would have done something. I looked for them. That's what Jesus is looking for. Proactive love. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm trying to say here? One more time, church. I know many of you have filled out faith promise cards this morning. But we have a practice in our church. Ushers, can you please hand out more if they don't have them? Hand them out to everybody. Here's what we do at our church. When we have a missions conference, people's faith are increasing every service. And I have people that fill out the faith promise card, the first service. After the second service, they want to revise it. Third service, they're revising. We have five services in our mission conference. By the fifth one, we got people who revised it five times because their faith went up. I told you this morning, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Right now, I believe some of you, your faith has just increased. Now, here's what I ask you to do. And I, I don't think that... That, that, that Pastor Karen and Pastor Daniel have ever done this because this is, this is totally spirit-led right now because you don't have a field for it. If this is a revision, if this is your first faith promise, you just fill out whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to fill out. But if this is a revision, write down revision. Just so that from a bookkeeping perspective, they can see that, oh, this will supersede what you wrote this morning because here's the thing. If your faith has now increased, if now you're thinking, I want to love my neighbor as myself, that little girl 
Now, I don't know what pastor's going to, what kind of missions project he's going he's to do, but I, I just have faith that he's going to reach out to people that really need my money. And I want to show God that my faith has increased. You write in the bigger amount now, put revision, and that's what you can submit right now. And I think it'll be appropriate if also some of you want to put a deposit as well. I mean, I know some of you already this morning, but you want to put another because you say, God, enough is enough. It's been self. Me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. Enough. I want to think about others. And I really want to show you I mean business right now. Love my neighbor as myself. I have not been doing that, Lord. I want to start right now. The faith promise card is a way you can do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word again. Your word, Lord. There is no Terry Wong theology in this. It's totally, 100% your word. And I pray, Lord, over Romans 10, 17, that says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God was just preached, oh God. And it's not because of eloquence of speech. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that took the word and imparted to hungry hearts tonight. And I believe that the result of that is faith has increased. And Lord, it would re, I'd, be, I'd be remiss if I didn't offer people a chance to translate that increased faith into an increased faith promise. Because Lord, this year, unlike any other year, we want to give as much as we can because our faith has increased. Because we're tired of living Christianity in a religious way. We want to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You have justified us. We want to live by faith. And right now, Lord, some of us are going to increase in our praying for missions. Right now, we have an opportunity to increase in our giving for missions. And some of us will even proactively, proactively, missionally reach out to the least of these because it's doing it unto you. Lord, you said, the way to go to heaven is to love you with everything we have but to also love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what today's all about. Let love consume us so that we write this out because of love and not because of peer pressure. Love has to be the foundation of this church. Love has to be the foundation of missions giving and missions going. So right now, give us agape love to replace that phileo love that's been in us so that we can do our very best in writing this faith promise for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Micah, would you lead us in that love song? Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and sent me.
There might be some of you here tonight that just want to reaffirm their faith. Some of you may want to give your hearts to Jesus for the first time to know this God who did come down. He paid the price just for you. And so right now, let's just pray together. If it's your first time receiving Jesus as Lord, I just want you to, um, when we're done, I want you to make sure you tell somebody, tell Pastor Vince, tell one of us, come up and talk to us. But let's just pray this prayer of faith right now. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. And rising from, the, uh, rising from the grave so I can have eternal life. I'm asking you to help me to live for you. Help me to have an undivided heart and to fear your name. Thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen and amen. Well, I'm going to ask um, Pastor Terry. Actually, I just, before we close, I just felt like I wanted to have him pray for us just as a church. I know so many of you are uh, love missions and you give in missions, and we love to reach out to our community, but I just feel, uh, and we send money to lots of missions um, as a church worldwide, but I just wanted him to pray for us as a church tonight, okay? So, Pastor, would you come and pray? Hallelujah. 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 I just feel, before I pray for you in terms of your missions endeavors, one of the chapters of my book talk about signs and wonders, that that's an integral part of missions. And, that, and that's why all our teams that we send out, they've been taught how to pray for the sick and they will recover. Because that, look at Acts. Everywhere you see signs of wonders, it's to draw attention to Jesus' healing power, and then people get saved. Okay? It's an open door for salvation. But here's the thing. Some of you, some of you are sick. And you may feel like, oh, I really want to do some going. You know, the praying, giving, going. Three-pronged approach to missions. But, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I've got some injury, sickness. I want to pray for you right now. Okay, it's going to be, I'm going to pray for, for that first and then I'll pray what, what, according to what Pastor Karen has requested. And here's how I want to do it. Because I feel that there's a, a healing anointing right now. If, if you are hurting, if you're in pain, okay, here, here are the instructions. If you are in pain, if you're not in pain, I don't want you to raise your hand. Okay, I don't feel that anointing right now. But I feel the anointing. If you have pain, I want you to raise your hand right now. There's pain that you're going through right now, somehow, okay? There's pain if you move certain limbs or, or legs or whatever. There's pain. If that's you, just raise your hand right now, okay? If there's kind of some pain, okay? All right, now, the rest of you, I want you to seek out a hand that's raised. I want you to lay hands on them. And, and the, okay, first of all, do that, okay? So, so let's make sure that every hand that's raised has people keep your hands raised or you might miss somebody lay hands on you, okay? Those who have their hands raised, let, let's seek them out right now. Okay, seek them out. Make sure everyone who has a hand raised has hands laid upon them. Okay, now, I, I know that you have one hand raised. Now take that hand and place it on the spot that hurts. Now, this, the hand that's 
raised, use the other hand, okay? Put it on. So that way, the per- people praying for you can see where your hand is so they can pray specifically, okay? It's really important to be able to pray specific prayers right now, okay? You got it? Okay, worship team, I'm going to play something soft in the background. We're going to, Jesus, uh, the Lord says that he would have the praises of his people. We're going to fill this place with his presence. And those who are laying hands, you pray for them right now. Okay, pray for them right now. Okay, musicians, let's start, start praying something soft. Sing quietly. Okay, let's fill this place. Start praying for the people whose hands are raised. We're going to pray the pain away right now in Jesus' name. Okay, you do it first, and then I'll close off in prayer. Okay, you do it first. Hallelujah. 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 Right now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, let the pain go away. Right now, right now, right now, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Jesus name. Jesus name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do it, Lord. Hallelujah. Release your healing virtue. Release your healing virtue. Release your healing virtue. Let the pain go away. Let the pain go away now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now I am praying, oh God, that Lord, all the pain will go away now in Jesus' name. Because Lord, we got prayer warriors laying hands upon those who are hurting. So, Lord, let, release your healing virtue, oh God. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, you love these people. You are preparing them for, for some missions giving, missions going, missions praying, oh God. And so, Lord, release your healing virtue upon them right now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I pray the pain will go away. Oh, if it's, if it's a painful type of searing pain, oh God, let it be reduced and reduced and reduced to nothing right now. I'm praying for it, oh God, like a, like a big dot going smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Do it right now in Jesus' name. I pray this. Hallelujah. Thank you. By your stripes, we are healed and we claim it. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. We're not finished yet. So often we pray and then we just finish. Okay. The Lord wants to know that he has healed you. Because, or I should say, you need to know that the Lord has healed you because it will build faith in you. So, those that had their hands raised, okay, I want you to jump around. Shake your limbs around. Just jump around. Okay, those who are prayed over. Okay. Now, test the spot that was hurting. Okay, test the spot if it's still in pain right now. Okay, if it's not, I want you to come up right here. If it's not in pain, come up right now in Jesus' name. You're not in pain. Now, if you're still in pain, don't come up. Don't, don't make a show out of this, okay? If you're not in pain anymore, come up. Face the congregation. Face the congregation. Okay? Hallelujah. Okay. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 11, they will overcome the devil by the word of their testimony. We're going to seal up the healing right now by you testifying really shortly, okay? All you need, just a few words, tell us what the pain was. Are you up here too, brother? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. 
Okay, you just tell us. We're going to testify in front of the whole church and in front of the devil because the devil's not going to win. Amen? Okay, okay. Are you coming? Are you? Okay, tell us what it is. My lower back was hurting uh, for more than a few years. I had a couple clots. I had, uh, my leg, they're really big. And I was going to a prophetic uh, meeting in Palmer, Scott and Tammy's house. And then the Lord, the Lord actually healed me. And I'm feeling his mercy and hand and his healings up in my groin up in my lower back Praise glory God. God thank you Lord amen. amen sister keep it real short just a few words tell us what the pain was and what do you, you know why you don't feel it anymore last night I didn't sleep last night because there was a sharp pain in my chest I didn't know if it was my heart or if it was an old disease that had to come back all I know is that it took my breath away and I prayed and it was just horrible and I know it was the enemy trying to keep me from coming to worship God because I got to keep my faith and I got to keep my praise and I came here this morning and I felt so much better but the pain was still there and my sisters laid hands on me and prayed for this night and the pain is gone and I thank Jesus for it thank you Jesus short shorter than that um, I had pain in my neck I have for a long time because I actually don't have curvature, but just now I even feel my neck is straighter. The pain is gone. I had pain in my lower back. I didn't even ask for it. That's gone. So praise the Lord. Praise God. That's good. That's it. I just came for support from my brother. Uh, I've been in pain. A little heartbreak. It's been about a week since I've seen my daughter and heard from her. I've just been praying that I hear her voice, and it's everything outside of what's just in my head. And my old friend Ryan here brought me here today, and everybody talking to me, and everybody's prayers, and I was kneeled down there in the chair, couldn't even take it. And now I feel, I feel wonderful. Hallelujah. I, I just feel hope. Thank you, Jesus. I was in a car accident a year ago, December 14th. Uh, had a plate, screws put in my lower back, and still suffered a, a pinch-sided nerve in my left leg. Many people here know me. Uh, I've been, you know, many services uh, in and out like a jackrabbit. Got to go lay down on the floor, whatever. But all pain is gone. I believe in the power of God and the word of his word supersedes everything. I am pain free. God, pain free. Hello, yes, I was hit by a car last February 7, 2014 on KGB Road going 60 miles an hour. And I broke both legs, my left arm and my skull and then it started bleeding inside my head and then I died for like a half an hour and I remember walking on clouds and seeing heaven's gates but then poof I was back in my body and then I remember seeing like an ambulance there but I don't remember seeing nobody except for Jesus Christ and he healed me slash protected me from death and I was told that I would not be able to walk for about two to five years and so far it's only been one year and like ten months that I can walk all by myself My ear was in pain. I could not hear the scripture. And then God healed me. Oh, Praise God. Um, my ankle has been hurting for a while. And um, today when people were touching me, my ankle feels better now. Amen. I've had this pain in my knee on and off for a couple of months. 
it started when I was like 10 or 11. I've been athletic and all that. I've, I'm a dancer. And like as we were praying, I felt the pain all go away because I get shots of pain up my knee. And I was like, thank you, God, because this is a miracle. And all the pain is gone. I can't even feel it anymore. All the pain is gone. <laughs> suffer from a brain tumor and I got chronic pain down my back and believing in the power of prayer that it be done and that I'll be able to walk away from this. Amen. Praise God. My stomach was hurting for, for weeks and God healed me. Well, I've been standing back there. Uh, I had laid hands laid on him, and uh, I've been standing back there praising God for weeks at a time. Yet finally, it just went away. I, I haven't been able to walk for a long time. I can't walk very far. Give the Lord praise. Give the Lord praise. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Thank you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Devil, take that. Devil, take that. You had them in their closet. You had them in a prison. Devil, take that. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, I quoted this verse. I think it's the first verse service. Philippians 4.19. You want to learn some more Greek here? Okay, this is actually not Greek. This is just Bible. But my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches by Christ Jesus. It bugs me when I go to church and I hear a pastor start quoting that verse and say, God will bless all of you, and they don't do one piece of mission. Because that verse, if you read chapter 4 of Philippians, it's talking about a church. It was the only church that supported Paul as a missionary. And as Paul was writing, he says, it has been credited to your account, meaning heaven keeps... Where's my faith? The faith promise card. You know heaven keeps track of your faith promises? Heaven keeps track of when you fulfill them. It's being credited up in heaven. You're going, you're kidding. God knows everything, and he's keeping an account. Here's how it works. The more you put into that account, the more he will supply your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's what Philippians 4.19 says. In other words, that verse is a promise to the missions church. This is a missions church. You just took up faith promises, and no wonder he's supplying the physical needs tonight because that's the way God is. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. What a glorious day today has been. And now, for Pastor Karen's request, I pray, oh God, for the spirit of missions to come upon every heart right now. Thank you for everyone that took the time to come out. They didn't have to come out tonight. Some of them came out this morning, and they normally, normally don't come out on Sunday night. But they showed some sacrifice, and they came out. And some of them, oh God, especially those that increase their faith promises. Oh Lord, let it be a strong mission spirit that come upon them, oh Lord. So that Lord, you will supply all their need now. That's how you were. You said give and it shall be given back. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. That's the kind of God you are. 
And so, Lord, I pray for a strong mission spirit to come on each person here. That, Lord, they will be praying more. They will be giving more. They will be going more. And as they do that, Lord, you will be blessing them more. Hallelujah. So, Lord, let the spirit of God that, that empowers them to be a witness in their Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth be upon KC Alaska now. And a special prayer upon Pastor Karen and Pastor Daniel. Let them lead the charge, oh God. Let them lead the charge. Let them hear accurately from you. And let them follow and obey your commandment. And let the church follow behind, oh God. This church is going to do dangerous things for Jesus Christ in Wasilla. I prophesy that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Take someone by the hand as we close tonight. Father, I pray that you would bless your people, cause your face to shine upon them, lift up your countenance towards them, be gracious to them, keep them, and give them peace as they go. Amen. In Jesus' name. Enjoy your holiday tomorrow. God bless you. See you on Wednesday night.